It's Film Festival Radio, the show where superstars and future stars happily coexist together. And now, here's your host, Janice Malone. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Film Festival Radio Show. Thank you for joining us, as always. And hey, it is Halloween. Yes, it is the Halloween season. Halloween is just in a few days here. So I hope that you already have your costume, your outfit, or just maybe you're going to show up as you. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I know uh, myself included. I, I don't want to do that this year. I know for myself included, I don't want to do that this year, but there have been times when I just got on a, a regular, you know, a little mask like, like you know, what the Lone Ranger used to wear, a little mask like that. And it's like, hey, it's me. Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Give me my candy. I'm out. But you may want to get more elaborate with your Halloween costume. But whatever you do, make sure that you stay safe and have some fun. And because you want to be around the next day, the next week to uh, show pictures and post them on your IG pages and such. And let everybody see just how much fun you had. So make sure that you have a safe holiday, Halloween weekend as well as week, as you know how that goes. And then, of course, it's time for the nuts and bolts and such of the holiday season really begins officially then. But anyway, we're going to move right along here. Let me tell you about our two guests here. We have, as always, we have very talented guests who come on our show. We have uh, a very talented writer, director, and producer. His name is David Madelon, and he has uh, some films that you probably are familiar with. His uh, previous film is called The Clearing, and it is currently streaming right now, free of charge, on Crackle.com. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it, I think the movie came out in 2020, I believe, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, that, it's got that horror thing going on. It's um, about a zombie apocalypse. Uh, dad's trying to save his daughter from the dreaded zombie apocalypse. I can't get, get the word apocalypse right for some reason. But anyway, I don't want to tell you too much about it. Just go to crackle.com, type in The Clearing, and you can see it for yourself. Again, totally free. And David's other film is just racking up high numbers over on Amazon Prime called Totally killer. And he was a part of the writing team that uh, put that movie together. And I mean, it is knocking them down as far as the ratings are concerned. So uh, yeah, go check out Totally Killer if you are a subscriber of Amazon Prime. And if you're not, you can just go to crackle.com to see his previous film, uh, Totally Killer. Okay. Now, our second guest is also 
a very talented writer. She is an author, to be more exact, and she has a new book. Her name is Antonia Dignan, and her new book is titled Underwater Daughter, A Memoir of Surviving and Healing. And uh, yeah, if you have undergone gone and experienced uh, a lot of the social issues and and traumas of, uh, you know, rape or childhood abuse, um, eating disorders, depression. Unfortunately, those are some of the many ills of society nowadays. But this book, hopefully, will help you to, you know, just kind of let you know that you're not the only one and maybe offer some solutions as to where you can, if you're not already getting help, but just kind of, you know, it's a good, good read. It's a very, very good read. So again, the title of the book is Underwater Daughter, a Memoir of Surviving and Healing by Antonia Dignan. And she is our guest for today's show, along with David Medellon. Again, two very, very talented and successful writers. So we're going to take a break. And when we return, we will start the show with uh, Antonia Dignan about her new book. So stay tuned, take a quick break, and we will be right back. Okay, before we get to our first guest, uh, the author of Underwater uh, daughter, we first have to get to our real main first guest. And that, of course, is Chris Woolsey, the Senior Director of Communications for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment. And as always, he is here to tell us the latest what's cooking, what's hot at the Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment brand. So we're going to uh, switch over to Chris. And then when we come back, we'll have uh, the author of Underwater Daughters. So get your pen and paper and write down the titles of some of these uh, Chicken Soup for the Soul uh, movies and television specials that Chris has got to tell us about. So we'll be uh, switching to Chris. Let's bring him on right now. All right, everybody, it is getting to be kind of nippy in the air, Uh, of course, because we're in the fall season, and I can't wait. It's a lot cooler. And so we have our resident expert on films and television shows and series here, Senior Director for Communications for Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment, Chris Wolsey is here to tell us what can we expect at the beginning of fall here in October for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Oh, we've got some great stuff for you, Janice. And we've, we've been talking about uh, all these spooky uh, season titles on uh, Crackle and Redbox. But, you know, Chicken Soup for the Soul, we want to warm the heart, not spill the blood. So uh, we've got a bunch of really great heartwarming uh, films. You know, we, we've talked about this before, that uh, every month Chicken Soup for the Soul has a new original rom-com. And uh, this month we've got a, a doozy. So uh, it's called Love Amongst the Stars. And it it is fantastic. It's starring uh, Sarah Canning from A Series of Unfortunate Events, which is one of my favorite uh, recent series, and Patch May from Home and Away. Really cute. So they play college professors. Um, Sarah's character is Heidi, and she is a professor of astronomy at this kind of uh, prestigious university. And she's convinced that her discovery of this rare planetary alignment uh, is going to get her a top-notch observatory uh, funded for her students. But um, 
Pashmanetti's character, August, is this hotshot archaeologist. He's uh, new on campus, but he's the kind of the, uh, the the hot ticket at the moment. And he did, he thinks that the funding should be going elsewhere. And so kind of a, a battle between the two ensues uh, where it looks like they're going to be mortal enemies until they discover that maybe, just maybe, love might be in the stars for them. Ah, okay. It has to be love in the air somewhere. Has to be. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a sweet title too, by the way. Yes, it's a great. It's a great film. All of the. I, I mean, we have uh, dozens of Chicken Soup for Soul original uh, rom coms, and they're all really good. But you can uh, check that out, and that is on. We've got the Chris Believes Cozy Love channel uh, this month that has a bunch of our original. Uh, rom-coms on there and a a great selection of uh, other ones as well but one of the um, other rom-coms we have uh, this month that that I'm super excited about is A Week in Paradise and that's starring uh, Maylene Ackerman from Watchmen um, series and Philip Winchester from Law and Order Special Victims Unit and this one it starts off really troubling so uh, Maylene Ackerman's character is a movie star who discovers that her director husband has been cheating on her and actually had a child with the star of his last feature her world is obviously crushed she runs off to a Caribbean island to try to recover um, and she meets Philip Winchester's character who sweeps her off her feet and she thinks that there, you know, love might be possible again when all of a sudden her husband shows up at the resort to try to win her back. No. Yes. And so uh, obviously uh, hijinks ensue. It's really cute. Uh, it's a, it's a fantastic film. It's got that, that phenomenal caribbean backdrop so you know if the chill in the air is a little much for you you can flip on this movie and at least uh, close your eyes and pretend that you're in the grid yes among the fall leaves it's, it's okay it's, it'll be okay absolutely <laughs> combination and then one last uh rom-com i want to uh bring up this one is really really well done so this is called clara and uh, this is about an up-and-coming astronomer and his research assistant. And uh, he is of the belief that there is no life on other planets. And she is passionately driven uh, with the idea that, that, that life on other planets is possible. And so the two of them get together to try to prove that this is actually a thing. And in the process... They, they actually discover that, you know, while that is uh, possible and important, that life on this planet and uh, our ability to love one another might be even more important. But it's, it's really well done. Um, it's starring Patrick Adams from uh, the series Suits, uh, which is like gigantically popular right now it's a little amazing it though yes yeah and uh troy and Belisario, who's from pretty little liars another series that is uh ridiculously popular and it's just it's a it's i think they really took um this was a crackle exclusive actually when when we first got it um a bit ago and i think they take the genre and they really raise it uh, to the next level. I, I thought it was a fantastic film. Um, beautifully shot. The performances are fantastic. Um, if if you're looking for 
a, I, I don't even, I, I dare to call it a rom-com. It's more of a, a romantic drama. Um, it's a great film. You definitely want to check it out. Well, Chicken Soup for the Soul, uh, we can just go ahead and make it official that they are the king of the rom-coms. They just don't. <laughs> when it comes to this. It is true. Just... You'd be hard-pressed to find a streaming service, a free streaming service, yeah. uh, that has more rom-coms than, than uh, Chicken Soup, for sure. Yeah, and that's the beauty of it. It's all free. It's so cool. Exactly. So anybody else for October? Yeah. um, You know, we've talked about uh, my love for music, but um, and I know that you also are a big fan of Motown. Yes. We have uh, a a limited series that is about probably the biggest name that came out of Motown, and that is the band The Temptations. Oh, no. Yeah, it is so good. Oh, my God. Yeah, so it tells this, the the story of the uh, meteoric rise of uh, you know one of the greatest Motown groups of all time who are still touring. Yes. I was like looking yeah. this up, I was like, that this is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. That uh, I mean, like fifty years later, I don't know how they do it, but They're still um, doing. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, uh, and it's starring Charles Malik Whitfield uh, from Chicago Med and Dean Woodside from the series Twenty Four, yes. among other amazing actors. It is phenomenal it's i don't know a a lot of times i feel like these uh musical biopics uh have grand intentions but it's really hard to pull these off especially on television and they just nailed it it's it's probably one of the best um miniseries i've ever seen Uh, so definitely if you're a music fan if you're a fan of uh, motown in specific you definitely want to check check out oh yeah i gotta put the music some some temptations music on in my ears while i'm watching it and my ear pods that'll do it yeah that'll do it oh man that is cool to see you again you guys just ah, you got your hammer and nails and you just nail it every (laughs) single time here so okay one more here you got anybody else Okay, so, you know, it is spooky season, so just to give you a, something with a little creep factor to it, um, we've got a ridiculously star-studded film uh, that, again, I missed this one when it was in the theaters, um, but I, I definitely am looking forward to uh, catching this one, especially now that it's free, and that this is Red Lights, and it's starring Killian Murphy, which you didn't get more uh, exciting than that right now with uh, the heat of Oppenheimer, mm-hmm. uh, Killian Murphy, uh, Robert De Niro, who you might have heard of, he's this up and coming actor. I think if he sticks with it, I think he's going to be pretty successful. Yeah. This guy, he's got problems. Uh, Sigourney Weaver and Elizabeth Olsen. I mean, talk about talk about a, a star-studded cast. Yeah. That's about as good as you get. Um, and he plays a physicist whose kind of uh, hobby it is is to investigate people who make claims of paranormal abilities. And De Niro plays a, if you remember Yuri Geller, he plays this like kind of of a Yuri Geller character. Mm -hmm. He's like this very flashy, flamboyant, public uh, psychic who does all these crazy things. He levitates Mm -hmm. on stage and um, he's, you know, kind of a Chris Angel kind of a guy, Mm -hmm. Yuri Geller. And um, Killian Murphy just decides that he's going to debunk him as the fraud that he knows him to be. And so he starts investigating and digging into uh, De Niro's life. And he doesn't like that very much. Uh, like Yuri Geller, he was not a fan of critics. And so um, he actually starts pushing back in a 
paranormal way onto Gillian Murphy. It is, it's intense. It's intense. It's a little spooky. And so if you're looking for uh, a little chill without the horror um, this spooky season, then Red Lights is going to be a great choice for you. Oh, I got to see that. I forgot about Yuri Geller and the spoon bending and all that. Yeah. And what, what I can't remember what show he was on a talk show and they had actually rearranged his materials when he uh, had put them down and then left the stage for a minute and he couldn't do the bit because they had screwed screwed whatever it, whatever system he had used they had screwed it up and um i remember it being like this huge public embarrassment oh goodness you do not want to get on the bad side of those types of performers please it's just seriously it's just, yeah it's too much a risk it's too much of a risk. <laughs> i would never upset a chris angel ever ever no. No, my gosh. I'll come through my closet at 2 in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So anybody else for October? Um, Let's see. What else do we have at the Chicken Soup TV for October? Um, I am going to go with... Boy, you don't make this easy on me. Well, okay. Just because... She's about as hot as you can possibly get right now. Uh, I'm going to go with the Taylor Swift documentary that we have. Oh, my word. Yes. Yeah, so we've got uh, a, a really good documentary called America's Sweetheart. That's right. And this is the TT, the, the T-Swift, whatever you want to call her. Um, but she is a phenomenon. And i got to say, I, I'm not, it's just not my, like, that's not my genre mm-hmm. of music. But I have to say, as a as a person, she really seems to kind of have it together. Like she's really good to her fans. Um, you know, she is a, a serial dater, but you know, she's adorable and in her you know what late twenties, early thirties. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, whatever. Uh, but it, she just seems like she, you know, there's there's no gigantic scandals. She's not stealing money from people. Mm-hmm. She's like I heard she just did a concert recently and it was like three and a half hours in the pouring rain. She stayed out there because, you know, people were had bought tickets and she wanted to deliver on it. So I don't know. I'm kind of a fan of her as a uh, celebrity and as a person, if not as a performer. But, um, this documentary is really good and kind of goes into her a little bit into her personal life, but her journey as an artist. Man, that's good to see. You know, I really love the fact of her philanthropy and how she gave all this money to her employees on her tour. Yes, on her. I saw that. That was yep. amazing, amazing. And since I'm a football fan, I'm having a lot of fun with the whole Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift <laughs> It'll probably be yep. over by Thanksgiving, but that's okay. It's fun. Right. right it's fun. So, okay, there's a whole documentary about Taylor Swift. All right. We'll go check that out. We will go and check that out, especially it'll probably be the kids of fans of Chicken Soup for the Soul. I'm sure they, well, you know, adults, you know, us grown or adults, we like her too. A, a couple of us do, it's for sure. Well, anyway, Chris, as always, thank you so much for the information for October for Chicken Soup for the Soul. And we will see you next time. Janice, I will count the days until I come back. Okay. Thank you. Take care. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. We are back with more of Film Festival Radio Show with me, Janice Malone. 
And so let's get to our first guest. Our first guest is a very talented writer and author. Her name is Antonia Dignan, and her new book is titled Underwater Daughter, a memoir of surviving and healing. Now, this book is um, is, is very a bit hard to read for some people who uh, maybe they've never experienced these types of issues. Uh, but for those who have, I think you will find this book very healing. Uh, Antonia, uh, Antonia explores timeless themes and universal issues that have uh, plagued our society ever since we've been a society, but more so uh, in this current generation. We're speaking about abuse and healing and forgiveness. Underwater Daughter follows how the main character grapples with her relationship with her parents, uh, especially after the aftermath of her being raped, uh, which results in an eating disorder, drug and alcohol uh, abuse, shame, just a lot of hurt and pain as the comes of age. And then she begins to rebuild her life. For readers who loved the book, Your Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, and uh, the other book, I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings by Maya Angelou, if you enjoyed those books, you will definitely enjoy Underwater Daughter. I highly suggest that you get it. So without any further delay, let's bring on Antonia Dignan to talk about her latest book, and it's a very good one, again, titled Underwater Daughter, a memoir of surviving and healing. So let's bring her on right now. Hi, Janice. How are you? I'm just fantastic. And uh, now that we, we are chatting here, uh, let's jump right in here. Your new book is entitled Underwater Daughter, A Memoir of Surviving Healing. And what a book it is. Let's start with the title. Um, give us the, the significance of how you came about with the title and, and the significance of the title. Yeah, thank you. So the title Underwater Daughter was um, a second title. My original title was The Beauty Within uh, that was Really, my goal, my focus for the story was to sort of dig underneath um, childhood trauma and challenging circumstances and find all the beauty, find all the love, But which is common in the publishing industry. Often, working titles get thrown out the window. My publisher had sent me 150 words or so of what she had sort of picked up in the first third of my book. And um, then left it to me to sort of see what I would come up with when I put the two words underwater daughter together. Initially, what struck me most was the, the beautiful pattern it made and, and just sort of the way it rolled off, you know, your tongue, just like a, an ocean wave, right? It's mm -hmm. very melodic and rhythmic. And that really speaks um, significantly to my writing style. I tend to write in a very sort of movement-oriented way, very lyrical. And so and this so originally that was that was the main thing, like wow. And then, you know, you add on top of that, there's 
ton of ocean and sea and water metaphor and symbols within the, the prose of the story. And so that seemed appropriate to me. And then, of course, the most challenging relationship really was my relationship with my mom. And so the implication of the daughter um, in the title and also how challenging it can be to sort of be seen or be heard underwater, right? Mm-hmm. And how that was a definite um, complication of my childhood, of, you know, really removing myself from direct experience and sort of withdrawing and being silenced and that kind of thing. So it just seemed to really hit lots of the boxes. Definitely so. Most definitely so. Now, uh, a part of, yeah. of this book deals with some really harsh topics and situations that mm-hmm. we're now seeing so many people out here are dealing with um sexual abuse and healing and trauma and forgiveness. Um, I saw, I think I read somewhere that my research that you made the statement, um, getting lost in the beauty of trauma. How, how can one, I mean, when you hear the word trauma, I think the last word on the list would be right. beauty. So talk about beauty. that. Uh-huh. Talk about the beauty of trauma that is the way you see it. Well, you know, I, I can only speak for myself and I'm, I'm hoping that, that my, um, my way of navigating to this is helpful to at least one person, maybe more. But, you know, when you're a child and you're, you know, especially childhood abuse, childhood sexual abuse or trauma, you know, you're experiencing these things from an, a really naive lens, right? And the benefit of going back as an adult and, you know, perhaps reliving, but re-navigating these things, you can apply a more loving global sense of what was going on during that time, the suffering of the caregiver, the suffering of your parents, the challenges that they may have experienced, even as young children themselves, and how that informs behavior as you grow older, right? And so it's not as though all of, you know, a certain circumstance happens in a bubble or in isolation. You know, we are this conglomerate of, you know, generation after generation of a lot of missteps and, you know, perhaps not putting our best foot forward for whatever reason. So that is why I think, you know, doing this type of work, you can actually sort of discover the love that's also present. The ability to embrace that part it, 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 as a as a another tool for forgiveness, because in the end, it's, you know, there isn't a soul that I've come across yet that hasn't suffered in some sense, um, you know, in some degree. And so, I think it's just a choice. It's a choice to sort of expand the lens of what we're looking at, or or you know, what we once experienced. 
Now, in addition to being a successful writer, you are also a very busy mom of five children. Uh, what's been the reaction mm-hmm. of your kids about the book? Uh, my kids were so incredibly proud of me for being a voice, you know, and, and for doing some really hard work and and showing all the rough edges, my rough edges, right? I think it's really a permission slip for my kids to sort of embrace their hardships, their fears, you know, their hard edges. They know by looking at me that I'm two things. I'm really strong and I'm really, I will go after, you know, something if I set my mind to it. And I'm also highly flawed and um, a work in progress. And I just think that gives them, um, you know, the permission to be the same. For sure. Yeah. Now, so now, if I'm not mistaken, this is this your first book? It is. Well, yeah. Congratulations to be honest, on that. that. You know, thank you. I mean, writing was never um, on the horizon for me. I was a I was a professional dancer forever. Yeah. And then segued into motherhood and. Um, you know, it was really, as I talk about in the book, the bike accident that I had in 2018 just kind of really shook up the cupboard and, you know, all the things I was sort of either using as coping mechanisms or just identity markers just flew out the window and I all of a sudden was really spiraling into, I don't know who the heck I am right now. And so writing was the tool that helped me navigate that. So as you were writing were you, at, at, back then, were you more or less writing uh, sort of like journaling and, you know, just because I, I find writing to be rather cathartic. And then when did you realize that, hey, I need to publish this into a book to share this with the world? <laughs> <laughs> so originally, yes, I, I, I wasn't really feeling as though it was journaling because I was really creating stories as I wrote, like I, it, they were obviously true stories, but it, it wasn't sort of this um, bantering of, well, he did this to me and I feel like this, you know what I mean? I was really trying to recreate in order to process it, right? And what ended up happening, my accident was in 2018. I was probably beginning to sort of punch at a keyboard, you know, by 2019, which segued right into COVID. So my recovery, you know, was linked to quarantine and I'm, you know, continuing to write. And because of the quarantine and the new environment of Zoom, I decided to join a writing circle. Someone had read some of my writing and said, oh, you should join a writing circle. So that was kind of my first foray into doing something that was like uh, in the field, per se. And once I did that, the, the woman that was coaching that it was, called Slipper Camp. She runs, mm-hmm. She's out of LA. She was highly encouraging and, and said, you know, you, you could do this. You could, you could publish your work and really pushed me to kind of explore some other opportunities. And then once I did that, it was a mentor in another uh, writing workshop that I did that said to me, um, you need to publish. So it was, it was really not my idea and I got a lot of encouragement and support um, to go for it. So I did. 
And as a result, we have this new book, Underwater Daughter, a memoir of surviving Oops, hit my, hit the wrong button here of, uh, surviving and healing, uh, emphasis definitely on the healing and surviving. Well, I got just two more questions here. Now you mentioned the response and reaction from your children. What's been the response mm-hmm. from other family members, uncles, aunts, cousins, such as, you know, other mm-hmm. family members? Mm-hmm. What have they had to say? Yeah, it's been, it's been a mixed bag. Um, you know, one thing it did do was, uh, I have two sisters and one brother, mm-hmm. and the sister that's directly older than me, they're all older, but the one that's next in line, one, I had opened up the, you know, can of worms about my writing this book. Um, she revealed to me that she had similar experiences with my father, and so this obviously was, you know, enough of a win, right? Mm -hmm. That I'm now having conversations with my sister who's never, ever talked about it before. And so, you know, there's that component of it. There's other relatives that, you know, perhaps didn't know our family system as well and, you know, kind of surprised. But then when they sort of have a talk with me and have a talk with my sister, I mean, you know, it's, it's a hard thing to swallow because, you know, honestly, most family systems are very good at somehow keeping these things quiet. Yeah. Very. And, you know, what, what ends up, what ends up happening? There's no winners in that kind of a situation, right? Because, you know, you don't talk about something. You don't try to change something. Even, even if you're not the one that's perpetrating the experience by remaining silent, we're just keeping that the issue alive, mm-hmm. so, you know. And so, you know, in the end, I do think that that a lot of people, relatives or not, are aware that having this difficult conversation, very uncomfortable, you know, not a feel good kind of thing, may actually help somebody. May actually save someone's life. I don't know, but I mm-hmm. I feel like that's. Um, more probable than keeping quiet. Absolutely. I just, my heart just goes out to people who did not have the so-called best of childhoods because I had a wonderful childhood. I was only child, spoiled brat, all that. And Mm -hmm. when I hear, Mm -hmm. I have so many friends, especially female friends, who did, who just had Mm -hmm. much like your childhood. And my heart just weeps for you, ladies. It's just Mm -hmm. so hard to, oh, I I feel that. I feel you. And and you know what? Honestly, Mm -hmm. you're like an anomaly for Mm -hmm. me. Like to meet someone like you, like I, I sometimes have sat and thought, is there anyone out there? Because I want to talk to you. <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs> you know, because it's just, uh, yes, it's just, it really, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to meet you because, you know, it's, it's nice to know that, that it isn't just everywhere. No. You know, sometimes that's how it feels. I, I, I can imagine. Yeah. <gasps> but the it's good news is there are. Goodbye. <laughs> Yeah.
This is Drew and Jonathan Scott, the Property Brothers, and you are listening to Film Festival Radio with Janice Malone. Our next guest here, this is our final guest for this uh, edition of Film Festival Radio Show. And my next guest, what a talented, excuse me. Okay, thank you so much uh, for joining us again. You are listening to Film Festival Radio Show, and I'm Janice Malone, your host. And our featured guest for this segment is an award-winning director of writer, uh, a series producer, and just a very talented young man in every, uh, nearly every facet of the entertainment industry here. I'm speaking of David Madelon. And since his Halloween season, I just had to chat with him because he has two films that are really buzzing up, especially for the Halloween season here. Now, his uh, first one that I we're going to talk about here, it's um, called The Clearing. And a lot of you may remember this film. I think it originally, 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 I think it originally came out in 2020. And it's currently streaming right now on Crackle.com. It's totally free. So if you want to get your scare on, go look at it. You will enjoy it if you haven't already seen it. It's uh, about a father who must battle his way through the zombie apocalypse to save his beloved daughter. Oh, man, don't you hate when that happens? Oh, but anyway, it's it's a fun film, and it's, it's really cool for Halloween season, really any time of the year, but I mean, we're in Halloween season. So again, it's streaming on Crackle.com, and David Madelon, my guest, is the writer of this um, really fun Considering that it's a horror film, it's kind of fun. And also, David is a part of the writing team for Totally Killer, which is currently uh, being seen on Amazon Prime. In fact, it is highly being seen because it is ranked in the top five uh, best viewed films on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, totally killer. It's um, kind of sort of a black comedy slasher film type genre. And it's also a bit of fun. And again, it is ranking way up there in the numbers. I think it's ranking at number three for this week on Amazon Prime. It's, um, again, like I said, it's a slasher movie. It's um, got a this killer. Of course, it has a killer. If it's a slasher movie, you know, killers got to have their props. And it's, it's an entertaining, the character is kind of entertaining-ish, kind of. But anyway, David this is a you know a part of his writing talents, and there were you know as I said, he's a part of the writing team on uh, Totally Killer, and the movie again is doing quite well on Amazon Prime. So I've said enough. Let's bring on David Madelon for some chat up about uh, two of many of his uh, hit films that he's written and directed and produced. Uh, the Clearing. Uh, Again, The Clearing, it is on Crackle.com, currently streaming, and it is totally free. And also, please check out uh, Totally Killer, which is on Amazon Prime and just racking up all kinds of numbers. They're high numbers at that. So let's bring on David and talk with him about his work right now. (music) 
much. It's such a pleasure to uh, chat with you. A big fan of your work, obviously, here. Thank you. Well, let's just jump right in here. Uh, we're in, of course, we're in Halloween season. Yay. And uh, <laughs> so you have, um, well, your, your classic here, uh, The Clearing, is just a classic. And then uh, <laughs> your latest one, total, Totally Killer on Netflix. So uh, between the two, I mean, I know you have written so many other uh, films, Hear No Evil, so many. Do you have any, between your current, your, the most current, do you have a, a personal favorite that you like that you've well, done? Clarify, what's the of a grave is actually not me. That is my father's cousin who's a lot older than I am. <laughs> he oh. was, uh, yeah, so I'm minor that's clearing and, uh, totally killer, just so, so, so to, to give proper credit with credit is due. But there, and sometimes online it can be hard to find, you know, who's who. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, we'll clear that up there. So for sure, uh, you have, uh, totally killer. Let's start with totally killer doing so well, uh, here yeah. on Netflix. It's just, um, it's been great. I've been, we've getting nothing but real positive uh, feedback and, uh, from, you know, total strangers. I've been like, you know, when they find out I, you know, was involved in the movie, they're super excited. It's just been everyone's just loving the film. I guess it's, you know, the right movie at the right time is the season to be scared anyway. So. <laughs> yes. Well, now, uh, Tell us about the making of Totally Killer. When you write these scripts, are you ever there on the set when they're filming them? Or once you write the script and turn it in, are you done? It depends. I mean, it varies from project to project. In um, in the case of Totally Killer, I was not on set. Um, it just really depends on, on, on you know, which you know, director you're working with and what your role is on it. So often, you, as a writer... You'll sell a script and then, you know, that's it. They'll take it. The director will start to, you know, put their hand on it and put their vision into it. And then you're on to the next script. Occasionally, um, on another project I'm doing, you'll get a chance to be on set and be more involved and kind of see it through, um, you know, and be more a part of the creative process of that, at that level. And so with Totally Killer, since you are a part of this, is, is there any particular scenes that you are especially fond of in your uh, creation there or what? I mean, so many. I think one of one of our favorite, you know, when we wrote it, we were, we were just juxtaposing all the, the great 80s and now, you know, it was being now in the 80s, how different life was. Mm -hmm. I think we found a picture of a kid. Uh, in a supermarket parking lot waiting for her mom and she like laying across the back of the seat with the windows open alone in a parking lot in the supermarket while her mom's off shopping somewhere. It's like, can't do that anymore. Oh, uh, no. So I always loved the like little jokes, the small jokes, like the, the you know, the mom mm -hmm. in the Gloria Vanderbilt outfit who has the windows up and is smoking in the car with the children <laughs> in the back, you know? Um, so uh, I love the, you know, the stuff about the, at the school, uh, just, you know, just the differences between here and now. So, yeah, I mean, I love all that, that, you know, that juxtaposition of, uh, of how things have changed. Well, now when Totally Killer first, uh, premiered on Amazon, did you and your family and friends, do you guys have your own, uh, you know, viewing party or, or, or how did you do that? 
We saw it, we all first saw it as Beyond Fest. They had the West Coast premiere at a festival in LA at the Arrow Theater. So that's where I first saw uh, the movie. Uh, and then we, you know, of course, we got friends and family together and had a giant watch party with everybody at the house. But um, yeah, I got my first glimpse with a live audience, which was fantastic. <laughs> what is that like? Laughing at the jokes and screaming and shouting. There's nothing better than them. Being in a movie theater full of people. What, what is it like when uh, you find out you're sitting there with the audience and they they get everything on cue that they're supposed to get as you wrote it? What what must that be like? Oh, it's thrilling. I mean, you know, as a, as a, one of the great things about being a film writer as opposed to other. Look, I, I'm not a novelist at all, and uh, I I I and end me novelist, but like, there's nothing quite like hearing someone say your lines and feeling a room full of people react to it and know you've moved them, whether it's the laughter or the tears or a scare. It's just exciting. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it makes it's, it's exhilarating. So yeah, it's it's one of it's one of the great um rewards of being a screenwriter for sure. Oh yeah, that must be so so exciting. So much fun. So much fun. So okay, let's let's go to your um the clearing. Um crackle, of course. So you know these these scary horror type movies are are they as much fun to write as they are to look at for for you the writer or what? Absolutely, I mean I think you know I've always been a giant horror fan. Um, I think my my earliest fans were movies like Rosemary's Baby, Jaws, Alien, you know The Shining. And what's great is you know finding ways to connect with people through character. That's always the way we start. We start with, you know, who is this person? How can I relate? How can an audience member relate to them? And, and, and what, you know, the big what if. What if you went through this? What if you were, you know, alone in the dark? What if you were, you know, saw the monster? How would you react? And, and kind of, you know, connect that to people. But it's a blast to write this stuff. It's fun. You can explore your imagination and and sometimes you try to scare yourself, kind of move yourself. And that's one of the tricks of being a writer. It's kind of, you know, if it moves me, hopefully it moves you as well. And that's kind of, you know, what I always seek to do on a more thing. I often like to ask uh, screenwriters, uh, you know, when they, especially when you put together horror movies, what inspired the clearing? Um, I think, I think the clearing was a feeling of like, you know, you often see people in groups or, um, or, uh, like, you know, trapped in, in cities and things like that, you know, movies like, uh, shows like Walking Dead or Night Living Dead. And I was like, what would you do if you're just you? Is it you on your own, you know, and you knew your kid was out there? I just had a baby, um, at that time. And like, you know, there's something about having children that just opens up doors in your heart. You didn't know about it. Determination. You didn't know you had. And I just thought, what would it be like to be a dad and know your kid was out there and, and and what what lengths would you go to to get to them to survive to reach them? So I think that's where that you know the journey that germinated that idea. Okay. Well, uh, do your kids do they do them and their friends do they love your scary scripts and movies as much I, as? My son, <laughs> or what? my son is too. Yeah, 
Put them up. He's only six. So. Oh, he's only six. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. Someday he'll he'll like it, but he, you know, he's still in the the land of Star Wars and Harry Potter. He has oh. to be <laughs> oh, Okay, well, that would be, I guess, then your your nephews and nieces and cousins, the younger yeah. ones. <laughs> I have two nieces, and they they loved it. I mean, all my friends who have older kids, and you know, I've actually been surprised. I got a lot of. You know, Facebook messages would totally kill. Like, can my kid watch this? And, you know, how old? And, I, you know, you have to sort of, everyone has to do what's right for their child and their family. But I warned them that, you know, there's some intense moments and there's some real violence. So, you know, they should use their best judgment. But, um, but you know, everyone who has, they just absolutely love it. I remember being fairly young when I was watching movies like Poltergeist and even The Shining. And, the, you know, I love being scared. It's fun. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, mm-hmm. they've loved it. Oh, The Shining. Jack Nicholson's teeth were so perfect, but he was still scary. Yeah. <laughs> still scary. Well, finally, okay, you, you, as I said, Errol, you've had experience and success doing various genres of screen, uh, writing. So are horror slasher movies scripts, is that your all time favorite to write or does it matter? No, I don't think so. Um, I've, Project I'm working on now, which is more kind of an action comedy adventure. I think I straddle for my work. I like, you know, that the science fiction, action, just the horror, that whole world, superheroes, sci-fi, even comedy elements. I, you know, I always like movies that inject some comedy, like American World in London was yeah. scary and funny. So I think you know, the best movies have a, have a little dose of everything that keeps you on your toes. So, you know, you're never kind of just hitting this pitch of, of, you know, um, tension and fear that this sustains the whole movie. You never, there's nowhere to go. And there's no mm-hmm. way to get back to that. So if you, you know, mix in some humor, mix in some drama, some heart moments, and then you can throw in the scares again. But yeah, I'd like, I like writing various genres for sure. Well, lastly here. Now, when you are going to write a horror genre, a slasher movie, the preparation, do you do you go to like a quiet cabin in the woods or near the lake where it gets crazy in the movies? Or uh, how do you do that? How do you get the inspiration once you get the idea? I mean, how, what's the process? Um, I think and it's a great question. I think um, I first of all, I, I differentiate the slasher from horror. I think they're two different, it's a subgenre. So I don't, you know, I like to write other horror. It's more creep, more tension, less violence with gore um as well but i think i the funny thing is at this point i i i write i've been writing so long and write so much that i can just write anywhere i can literally sit the airport pop over my laptop and just start working i just kind of drop in mm-hmm. and start to work so i don't need the scary cap and um you know my wife often makes fun of me because i'll like you know, I'll be in the middle of a coffee shop and I'll just pop over my laptop and start working <laughs> a couple of times. So, uh, yeah, I, just, I think that my imagination is dark and weird and creepy enough that I don't need a lot of external stimulus to, to get there. Oh, that is so much fun. So if somebody sees you in Coffee Shop USA, see you with your laptop or your iPad, we never know what you might be writing here. That's right. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's the thoughts I'm having. Exactly. Well, David, what, what is what is it about slasher movies and horror movies that America especially, I know the whole world loves it, but why do us Americans, why do we still, we never get tired of those genre of movies? What is this all about with us? I, I I think, I don't know. I mean, obviously, people like to be scared. They like to be, as much as I like to be thrilled mm-hmm. or moved, I think it's 
fun. Again, I think it's a big, you know, uh, an adventure in a way. Uh, uh, like I said, a what if, you know, I think some part of us always tries to imagine what we would do in that situation. I think also that the, the thrill of survival, when it comes to the flash, I think it's, you know, the who, there's like the who done it in mysteries and there's the who's going to make it in the flasher. But there's a bit of that, um, you know, to it. But I, I, I'm sure there are much, more studied research people who can give you a better answer to why America is so excited to be scared. <laughs> That's a good phrase, excited to be scared. So speaking finally of scared, scaredness and all of that, what is your all-time favorite scary movie or slasher movie that you've ever seen? Um, all-time favorite scary movie? That's tough. Uh, I'd say I definitely have a top 10. I'd say Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorites. I love the slow tension of that. The Shining Edmonds and, um, a great old movie called When a Stranger Calls, uh, I think like 1974, nonsense, the old one. And I remember being a kid, being super scared. It was a simple idea. It was the idea that this babysitter keeps getting this phone call from this sort of strange person on the phone, this creepy caller, and then the reveal is that the person, you know, they call the police, and then the police said, they're in the house if you get out of the house. And it was just like a chill running through me when I heard that, and I just love that. Uh, I'm scared. It made it hard to be alone at night. But yeah. <laughs> when I was a kid, but it was a fun one. Oh, goodness, so, yes. And then Slash, I'd say probably Halloween is, is yeah. you know, the, the best of the bunch for me. That's such a great movie. Well, me being from Texas, Texas Chainsaw Massacre always is up there. <laughs> I like Halloween because I like Halloween because um, I just thought the wrecking was great and yeah. that's really captured such kind of a, that time period and, and such a you know, time capsule of that period. So, oh, yeah. yeah. And another thing about slasher and or horror movies, you know, I don't care how much knew this and knew that they just hold their own it's, it's blood gore and scariness that's it that's what you get that's what you get that's you what kind you of get. know what you're in for yeah <laughs> uh, and, and, and boy like in the 80s they were just everywhere like every every everyone you know had a Summer in the flashing movie, so uh, they were fun. Okay, well, David, what's our, our website, Instagram? How, how can people say hello to you and compliment you on your work or, or whatever? Um, they, you know, I'm I'm terrible. I have an Instagram, but I'm not promoting it nearly enough. I'm just I'm such a writer. Yes, that's <laughs> a real writer right there. <laughs> that's a real like, writer. I was an actor. I probably the more active uh, Instagram, but I'm. Just, uh, I'm trying to see what, um, if I'm on Facebook, um, uh, I'm on Instagram under, uh, Madelon Film. Um, so, yeah. They can find you. And you know, hopefully they'll see more from me very soon. Well, great. Well, we know where to find you, your work. Uh, we know where to find you and we know when we want to get scared, we know who to go to, your films and your TV films and such. Thank you. Thanks for watching. Really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Okay, thank you. Okay, take care then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Okay, thank you so much, uh, David, there. Well, listen, we are out of time for this edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Again, we want you to have a very fun-filled, happy Halloween celebration. You know, get those costumes and do the food. 
get your drink on, but be safe, of course. And then we want to say thank you to all of our guests for this show, and we always appreciate them. And you know what? Please, by all means, listeners, we bring you these very high-profile, very busy, very talented guests each week, each day almost. So we really do appreciate you supporting their projects when you go out and buy their books and see their movies and buy their music and watch their television shows. It is so, so appreciated by us here on Film Festival Radio, of course, as well as the people who are the celebrities, I should say, and the TV networks as well. Oh, yeah, it's a lot. But anyway, uh, we'll see you guys next edition of Film Festival Radio Show. Email us if you need to, info at filmfestivalradio.com. Send us some pictures of what your Halloween costumes look like. That'll be a lot of fun. So, okay, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another edition of Film Festival Radio with your host, Janice Malone. Be sure to download this and other episodes at filmfestivalradio.com.